Generally Speaking About the Church, podcast episode number 70. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Generally Speaking About the Church. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and I'm coming to you today with a very special midweek episode of About the Church. And we're going to be talking to a friend of mine uh, from Scotland, somebody I've known in the podcasting community for quite some time, and uh, I think he's got a story to share that I think will be beneficial to this show as we generally speak about the church. So, Mark Hunter, welcome to the About the Church podcast, my friend. Well, thanks very much, Cliff. It's good to be with you. And um, I apologize if, if you can hear children and dogs running about in the background, but I'm recording this at home, not in the studio today, unfortunately. It's not a problem at all, Mark. So, so I just want to just basically start off with our audience and tell them how I heard about you. And uh, it was back in the early days of podcasting when I first got it st- got started back in 2005. I learned about your Tartan Music podcast or the TartanPodcast.com. Yeah, and absolutely fell in love with your show. I believe it was right around episode. It may have been like episode 94 or something like that when you were doing like the best of the year roundup. And okay. and um, basically. You were do- you actually took the best of the music that you found out there and and kind of replayed it for us. And I fell in love with probably about eight or nine of the artists uh, that you shared. And one of my favorite artists today, as far as, far as a band, is Amplifico. And listen to them all the time. And not to mention the fact, uh, Freuter, uh, There's Always Someone Else, and yep. Yep. other Good stuff. Track. Wonderful, wonderful songs. And, and so... Uh, it was just awesome to to find this this music out there, and I love the independent Scottish music music scene. And I can't wait to actually visit Scottish Scotland someday and be able to uh, check out some of the local music places that are there. Yeah, I mean, I recorded a, a Tartan podcast yesterday, and it amazes me that four years after I started the Tartan podcast, I still get new Scottish music sent to me, and it's you know. Each week when new music comes in, it always amazes me, and it shouldn't, but it still amazes me, the quality of unsigned bands in Scotland. So there's a new Tartan podcast that went out yesterday, Cliff. Uh, If you get the chance to check it out, there's a new band called Captain and the Kings. I think you'll like them. Very, very cool. Anytime you have any of that music that uh, is sent to you digitally, feel free to just hit the forward button. And okay, send, okay. send send it on my way because I will certainly play it in my musically challenged podcast. Which okay. which well, is, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll just say, going to say, Cliff, I'll do that as soon as we finish recording. I'll send you um, some some tracks over. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so anyway, we're we're not here to talk about music or podcasting. Uh, <laughs> while if those in the chat room want us, if you want to stay around afterwards, uh, we'll certainly be doing that after this interview. Uh, but we're here to talk about the church and and. We generally speak about the church here, but one of the things we have not talked about as a topic um, as it relates to faith and things of that nature, we really haven't talked about other religions. Uh, not that yeah. we've avoided it, but you know, we've pretty much stuck with what we felt was just on our heart at the time. And today, I really believe that the best way to have a conversation about maybe another religion that is, that is maybe uh, opposed to the Christian faith is... Uh, I think it'd be great to have somebody who has some experience rather than 
two guys from a from the Christian faith who have always been in the Christian faith uh, talking about things they think or read about or something else of that nature when it comes to the church. But today we're going to talk about Jehovah's Witnesses, and we're going to do it. And I want you to, if you wouldn't mind, Mark, just introduce yourself and, and your background in this church and how you got started and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Well, um, I was raised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, so it was the, the religion of my birth. My mother was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, and her parents, they were Jehovah's Witnesses for, for many, many years. So I was a third-generation Jehovah's Witness. Um, I've got two young children. I was raising them to be Jehovah's Witnesses. And basically for the first 36 years of my life, it was the, the religion that I, I had. It was the religion you know, that I was brought up to believe in. Um, I was very, very committed and involved as a Jehovah's Witness. I went from door to door, probably the thing that Jehovah's Witnesses are, are best known for. For I did that. Uh, I served as, a, as an elder in the local congregation where we live. Um, you know, so so my parents are Jehovah's Witnesses. Gail's mum and her sister and her husband they're Jehovah's Witnesses. All of our friends were Jehovah's Witnesses. So it was a, a massive, massive part of my life for for thirty six years. So, so just in the same way that many of the people, and actually most of the people who um, are are the Christians that listen to about the church, just in the same way that it was just natural and it's and it's what we were brought in up in in the Christian faith, uh, that that was somewhat of the same experience for you. It was just as the same natural. This is this is this is my area of faith. I, I've inherited this. I've grown up in this. This is this is what I've known, and this is. And, and and so very much the same way for you. Now, you wrote me, what was it? Has it been already a year since you left the Jehovah's Witness Church? No, it's only just been a few months. Um, you know, that's a good question. I can't remember when it was I emailed you. Probably back in the, in the summertime. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's right. So so tell us, uh, be, before we go into you leaving, uh, maybe that's jumping too far ahead. Let me ask you, you know, at what level... Were you involved? What's the highest level in which you were involved in the Jehovah's Witness Church? Um, the highest level I was personally involved was serving as an elder. Um, each congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses has maybe, if, if, if a congregation has 100 uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, there will maybe be around eight elders in that congregation overseeing the work of the congregation, shepherding the flock, uh, taking the lead in teaching from the platform during the meetings. Uh, so I, I served as an elder. Before I was an elder, I served as a ministerial servant, which is probably the same as a deacon. And I don't know whether in America you guys have deacons, but certainly in the UK, uh, I stepped down from being an elder as to be a deacon. And for, for a number of years, Gail, my wife and I, we served as pioneers, where we would devote 90 hours a month in the, the, the Jehovah's Witness preaching work. So I was really, really busy and involved, as as I said earlier, um, and you know, it's just something you mentioned a second ago, Cliff. I think for a lot of people, religion is an accident of birth. So, so the religion you have is usually going to be the religion that your parents had, and that was certainly the case with me. You know, born and bred, um, didn't know any different. Right, right. So, <coughs> excuse me. So back in the summer, it was then sometime you sent me an email. Uh, obviously, somehow you you recognized that that I was somebody that was of the faith, uh, which which is definitely no secret to to anybody out there. It's not like I go around 
with a big old uh, T-shirt that says, hey, look at me, I'm a Christian. But at the same time, it, it, I never hide the fact that, that I'm a Christ follower. And, and uh, you know, anybody who's ever seen me online, you know that I either have one or two usernames. I either, you can find me under GSPN or Cliff EOTC. And my, it's always a, one of my favorite questions when somebody says, what is Cliff EOTC? And of course, that stands for Cliff Encouraging Others Through Christ. And Excellent. Uh, so, so somehow you, you recognize the fact that I was a person of faith and you sent me an email and a wonderful email and, and explained to me that, that you had decided to leave the Jehovah's Witness Church, you and your family, uh, meaning your wife and your children, and, and are pursuing a relationship with Christ. Now, can you explain to us just the story of how that came about? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not an easy thing to decide that you want to leave the, the Jehovah's Witness religion, and I'll explain why it's not an easy thing um, in, a, in a moment or two. Um, I think every Jehovah's Witness has some doubts and concerns about their beliefs, and the reason for that is that you're not really allowed to make your own mind up about what you believe the Bible teaches. Um, you're not really encouraged to, to independently examine God's Word and... Um, come to your own conclusions on it and because of that I had some issues and concerns about the official doctrine of Jehovah's Witnesses and th- there was just a couple of things that happened in 2008 that, that I, I remember speaking to Gail, my wife and saying I just don't feel comfortable with the direction the religion's going and I, and I worry about it um, and I just feel that maybe you and I we need to spend more time praying and reading God's word alone um, and just making sure our relationship with God is right, and and she she agreed that that's what we should do. And really quickly, it's amazing when you just read the Bible on its own, how God will speak to you. And as He was speaking to us, what He was telling us was that the fundamental doctrines of Jehovah's Witnesses don't actually come from the Bible. And when we realised that, you know, it's just a devastating conclusion to come to. Because you recognise suddenly that everything you've believed your whole life isn't actually based on the Bible as you thought. And that the, the, the religious group that you've been a part of isn't really what it claims to be. And, and I should make that clear. Jehovah's Witnesses claim that they alone are the true religion on earth. That they alone speak for God. So to realise that the religion you've been brought up with and have followed and have preached to others about isn't actually God's religion is a really, really challenging conclusion to come to. Not only because, you know, doctrinally and scripturally you've got a lot to learn, but also because if you disagree with the official doctrine of Jehovah's Witnesses, you can be excommunicated. And if you're excommunicated, you're subject to shunning where your family and your friends are not allowed to speak to you ever again. So so that's what we were faced with in the summer of 2008, the realisation that our religion wasn't actually what it claimed to be, and that if we took that to its natural conclusion and left the religion, we would lose everybody in our life. So basically, t- tell us um, the some, so how that has impacted you personally, uh, with with your mom, your dad, or, or other family members and your friends, you know, uh, it, it's one thing to say, you know, well, we lost everybody and they have nothing to do with this. But but tell us, you know, kind of emotionally, 
How has that affected you? Um, can, are you able to share any, maybe just even a, an example of a conversation that, that, or, or a circumstance that how that's personally impacted you? Yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult to, to talk about it because they, they can't make a reply. So I'm wary of, of saying too much um, because they're obviously not here to defend their actions. And what I would say that as Jehovah's Witnesses sincerely believe when they shun a former Jehovah's Witness, that they're actually pleasing God, that they genuinely believe it's what God wants. If, if that means that they won't speak to you, they won't speak to family members again, they feel that even though it's difficult for them, even though it hurts them to do that, that it's pleasing for God. And, you know, I've tried to show them from the Bible where God doesn't want that. And Jesus never shunned anyone. Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really difficult. They, they genuinely feel that they're doing the right thing. And, you know, in, in practical terms, it just means that you don't get to see them as much. Um, and that, that hurts. But there's a there's a really powerful verse in the Psalms where David said that even if my mother and my father should reject me, the Lord himself would take me up. And we felt that happening in our lives where, yeah, we've, we've lost family relationships with people that we love dearly, but, you know, we've got a lot more in Jesus now. Absolutely. So I have some questions for you. Now, I I know very little about the Jehovah's Witness Church outside of what I've read in a little pamphlet here or there that talks about them as a cult and some of their beliefs uh when it relates to jesus do do they do they teach about uh, about jesus no they don't they, they fall into the the fundamental traps that uh a diverse so-called christian group fall into they don't believe that jesus is god they don't believe that jesus is divine they teach that jesus was created they teach that jesus when he came to earth was the incarnation of Michael, the archangel. And they don't believe that Jesus was bodily resurrected. Uh, They believe that Jesus is king, that he's in heaven, but in heaven he's once again known as Michael, the archangel. Um, They also believe that Jesus started reigning as king in heaven in 1914, which is a pivotal year in Jehovah's Witness doctrine. And it was actually that teaching that completely unhinged the whole thing for, for Gail and I. So they, they don't, in their worship, give Jesus the place that he deserves. Um, in typical, you know, cult fashion, they've elevated their own leaders within their religion to a position that's virtually equal to Jesus and the, the, the day-to-day beliefs of a Jehovah's Witness, which is actually quite disturbing. Now, I, I'm like I said, is is I don't know a whole lot about these other than what I've read in the past, and and honestly, I I quit having, you know, I quit studying this stuff for the longest time because you know I didn't want to get into arguments with people and then just be reading books put out by Christians against uh, Jehovah's Witness. So I kind of quit reading this stuff. But is it the Jehovah's Witness or is it the Mormons that have the number of one hundred and forty four thousand? Um, it's Jehovah's Witnesses. They they believe that the the number of spiritual brothers of Christ, the number of those that actually have the Holy Spirit working in their lives and that will go to heaven to be with Christ, is limited to one hundred and forty four thousand. They they get that figure from the Book of Revelation, where in Revelation chapter seven, it identifies um, the number one hundred and forty four thousand, and these ones are taken from the twelve tribes of Israel. 
However, when you read those verses in context, it's so obvious that the number 144,000 is symbolic. It's not a literal number. Absolutely. So so in in the Jehovah's Witness Church, and, and I, I want to know if I understand this correctly, basically what they state and what they believe is that there's only going to be 144,000 who actually make it to heaven to be with Jesus. And am I mistaken or has those 144,000 in their mind already been chosen? That's a really good question, Cliff. Um, Yeah, that's the essential teaching that only 144,000 will go to heaven. They believe that these ones were um, the the, the calling or, yeah, the calling of the 144,000 started when Christ returned to heaven. And we know what happened, you know, that the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost in the upper room. They believe that's when the the number of the 144,000 started. And since then, slowly but surely, God has been choosing faithful Christians to be with Christ in heaven. Um, currently, they teach that there's about 10,000 of the 144,000 still alive on earth. Now, I I worked it out. I got a calculator and I worked it out. And basically it means that that each year since Christ died and was resurrected, there have only been 65 Christians around the world whom God has counted worthy enough to go to heaven. That's Mm. basically what the Jehovah's Witness teaching is. Now, when you read Acts in the Bible, you recognise that there was tens of thousands of faithful Christians in the first century alone. Yes. So that just emphasises that the 144,000 must be a symbolic number. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so basically you came to the realisation through through the reading of Scripture, God began to speak to you. Now, you were already talking about the fact that you were involved in one religion who who basically claims, you know, we know the way, the truth, you know, and, and we're the only one true church. We are the ones who who bring God's message to the earth. Nobody else uh, has, has anything else to add to this. Um, don't even evaluate it because we ha- we hold the truth. And, it, yeah. and, and I, I want to ask you the question, and, and, I, and I say this from a sincere heart, and I'm not just asking this question, but why leave one religion that claims to be the only way for another religion that claims to be the only way? Again, that's a good question, Cliff. I I don't feel I have left one religion for another religion. When 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 Gail and I read with open minds the Bible, it became really, really obvious that, that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is life. So we don't feel we've left a religion and gone to another religion. We feel we've left a religion and instead we've developed a faith, a faith in Jesus. Um, and I think that's the really important thing, you know, where it's it's not about jumping from one religion to another. It's jumping from a religion but into faith in Jesus Christ. And that to me is a big difference. So today, would would you say in your heart, that you believe that the only way to heaven and eternal life with God in heaven is through Jesus Christ? There's no doubt from the Bible, and and I firmly believe it in my heart, that it's only through faith in Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus, that you can get life. And and obviously for those who are listening, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's not a very popular opinion these days. And uh, and it's my hope and sincere 
uh, belief that that those who listen to about the church recognize and understand that that the gspn.tv and and the faith podcast that we produce here are not to be arrogant in that uh, stance. While while we believe it, uh, we encourage everybody to do, in fact, what Mark has done, and and in fact, what what so many people need to do, and that is instead of growing up in your faith, whatever it is honestly evaluate who God is on your own. Seek out God. And and God says, and, and this comes from the Bible, So, it, but, uh, but still I think it's valid. And it says, God says, if you earnestly seek me with all your, your heart, your mind, your soul, if you earnestly seek me, you will find me. And I, I believe that. And, and even, even those who are out there, if you have not yet investigated the God of the Bible, Jesus Christ, I encourage you to do so. Uh, just, just, I mean, and and you may come away, and you may not believe what Mark believes. You may not believe what I believe, but that, and that's okay. I mean, it, it, honestly, God gave you that permission. The one great thing about the Christian faith is that we are not going to to decide to cut you off. I mean, we'll continue to befriend you. Um, I don't know about you, Mark, but um, one of the things that I've learned is that um, even in my own faith, uh, several years ago. I it's not that I ever really cut people off if they weren't believers, but I I recognized that I kept myself guarded quite a bit as as to whether or not I'd be willing to invest in a relationship with people who who did not believe or if I really felt that chances are not good that I'm going to be able to convince this person that Christ is Lord. Uh then I yeah. then I never dis- developed a relationship with those people and and I see how that is so prevalent sometimes in the Christian faith. And uh, I literally had to repent of that sin because Christ, obviously, if we read about his life and we mimic him, uh, and that's what God wants to do in our lives is to, to for us to be Christ-like. Uh, Christ obviously spent time investing in relationships with people who would ultimately, and he knew for a fact, would deny him, who would reject him and, and didn't listen. But yet he still invested and and exposed uh, his love and compassion for those people. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Cliff. When you when you think about the number of people who must have heard Jesus speak, who must have seen his miracles, and and by extension, who heard other people speak about Jesus' teachings and speak about his miracles, you think of the number that that he fed with the loaves and and the fishes. There was thousands of people there. Yet after his death. In that upper room, how many was there? How many had had truly believed and put faith in Jesus while he was alive? It was a comparatively small number. And and it's only after his death, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, that that people finally started to to get the message. And, you know, Jesus worked hard for three and a half years to win as many people over to life. Uh, I, I think it could be, you know, cynics could argue that his ministry... His actual ministry wasn't successful because after he died, so many left. But it didn't take long for the message to get out there, for the true believers to, through their relationships with other people, through their testimonies, they started to to, to bring people back to Jesus again and, and to preach a, a, a message and a gospel of life. That and, and it's not a challenging gospel, really. It's not a hard thing to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. Um, that, that belief will lead to life, which is a tremendous reward for investing ourselves in Jesus. Absolutely. 
I want to ask you, um, during this process, when you and your wife, Gail, began to to investigate the scriptures, God began to clearly speak to your heart. Um, and, and obviously, as you were evaluating, you must have felt some some anxiety about the family and the and the friends and 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 all of the things that you would lose as a result of placing your faith in Christ. I'd like to know: Did God begin to bring other people into your life, other believers, uh, to encourage you, to 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 uplift you, and and, and to be a, uh, to provide peace and encouragement with, to you? Yeah, definitely. Um... One of our biggest concerns was the children. You know, my son's nine. Um, my son was was really popular in the congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses we attended. He had lots of friends. You know, he was well liked, and he, he's very sociable and outgoing. And we knew that moving away from Jehovah's Witnesses, he would sadly he would lose his friendships. So that was a big concern. But was was finding a community of of Christians where we would fit in, where we would be accepted. And, you know, we didn't have to look for it. We, we've, we're totally convinced that the Lord brought people into our lives that have helped us, that have encouraged us, that have been friends for us, that have had us round to their homes for meals, that have taken an interest in us as a family. Uh, Cameron, has, my son, he's made new friends. Um, his favourite thing is playing football or, or soccer. So he's made new friends through one of the local churches and, and he's able to play soccer on a Friday night. Um, it, it's just been amazing the way that the, the, just the right people at the right time have come along into our life. And, you know, I'm always reminded of the the number of times the, the Apostle Paul would write that he would need some strengthening aid or he would need to send some strengthening aid and it would always be through other people. You know, whether it was Titus or Timothy or another one of the Christians that he was able to send or that the congregations were able to send to him. And that's how God works. He uses other people to, to help us. And it just emphasised to me the need for me as a Christian and as a member of the community at large to be there for other people. Um, because we never know when God might want to use us to reach out to somebody that needs help just the same way that God has used other people to reach out to us to help us when we've needed help. And I just think it's an excellent and a really encouraging way that, that God works in our lives. That is awesome. So are you guys involved? Did you did you seek out a, a local church, a local congregation of believers? Uh, to, we did, to, yeah. Yeah, and where we live, there's lots of churches nearby. There's some really, really big Baptist churches. Um, there's some smaller sort of charismatic churches. Um, and, and we did a little tour, you know, one of the things that, that we, I spoke to one of the pastors at the, the local Baptist church, um, you know, months ago when we were just, we were when we were considering attending church. You know, I, I should explain that the Jehovah's Witnesses are taught that the churches is where the devil is. And, and even though we'd freed our minds from a lot of Jehovah's Witness teaching, we were still really anxious and nervous about going along to church. So I contacted the local pastor of the Baptist church and he met with me for a coffee. We had a chat and he he said, you know, don't settle on one church right away. Go around, visit the other churches and find one that's right for you. And that's what we did. We went to the Baptist church for a while. We made some great friends there. Um, we, we tried the charismatic church. You know, that, that was a, an experience. <laughs> um, but but I, I went to the, I attended Alpha. I don't know whether Alpha is as prominent in the States as it is here in the UK. 
Uh, but Alpha is a it's a course which teaches the fundamental basics of Christianity, and and it's all around the the topic. If God is real, what would we say to Him, and what would He say to us? What purpose does He have? And a lot of churches run Alpha courses where you go along one evening a week for ten weeks, and you listen to, you know, a couple of talks. You listen to a testimony, and then you break into little groups and and you discuss what you've been learning. So I, I I went along to an Alpha course at a local independent evangelical church, uh, Riverside Gospel Church is its name, and I would never ever have considered going to their church services for some reason. But when the Alpha course was over, I got a call from one of the elders and he asked if if I would meet with him and the other elders. So I went along and I had a chat with them and they said, when you and Gail and the children decide on a church to settle in, please consider us because we feel we could do with your help and we feel that we could help you. Um, so we went along to one of their services. We had a great time. Um, and that's the church that we've, we've settled on, Riverside Gospel Church. Um, we go there every Sunday. They've got a couple of services on a Sunday. Um you know, my son, he like I say, he plays soccer with the other boys in the church. It's just been a really great experience. And it's the last place we would have ended up if it had been up to us. But again, we feel that the Lord has directed us to go along to that church there. And we're, we're having a great time. I, I love to hear that that, that you you guys have, have, have sought out a church. You obviously didn't just jump right in. Uh, and, and you say that you feel that God has directed you to the church. Those are all excellent things because that's really the About the Church podcast. It, it, we talk about that quite a bit. How do you find a church? What is the church? And and one of the things that we've made a point to do here is is to explain to people that we in the church, and I'm talking about those in leadership. Now, for this podcast, we normally have a co-host. His name is DG, and he's actually a pastor of a, of a church. And of course, my background is I used to be an associate pastor and and ever since 1996, I've always had some sort of official role within a church in the leadership position. And mm-hmm. so this church or this podcast has always been about the fact that, hey, let's generally talk about the fact that of what the church is, who we are, why we do church. Um, and and it, the, the main purpose and the goal here is to help people who have been turned off by the church, who have experienced issues within the church to explain to people, you know, the church is necessary. The church is something that God gave to us, and and it's it's us called to come together corporately, um, locally, and and then all of a sudden the church globally. And 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 so we we speak about this. But one of the things that I'll encourage you and Gail, and I'm sure you've already recognized this, that eventually you're going to start seeing things within your church that you're going to dislike. Um, you're going to find, um, you're going to find some doctrinal issues that occasionally that will come up and you'll say, I don't know if I really buy into that one or, uh, the leadership will just do something boneheaded. You're going to run into a couple hypocrites <laughs> here and there. And, uh, yeah. I'm so glad to find here that, that God has led you to a church and, and you guys are attending there and just, uh, I just want to encourage anybody that's out there and listening Find a local church and recognize that there is no such thing as a perfect one because the church is simply just a group of people that God's called together. And uh, every single one of those people that make up that group called the church are imperfect people. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. When you read the Bible, you just need to read Paul's letter to, to the, the Christians in Corinth and you recognize that even back then, so close to when Jesus was on earth and 
you know, bearing in mind that each one of the Christians in that congregation in, in Corinth had the Holy Spirit, but there was still problems. They, they still disagreed about things. There was maybe prominent personalities who were insisting on certain doctrines. And Paul just wrote and said, look guys, be, be united in your belief and faith in Christ and just get along with one another. And it's exactly the same 2,000 years later. There's Christians that, um, you know, that, that we're all on a journey, we're all progressing, we're all letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives at, at different levels. And and some, you know, they're that little bit more switched on. There's others that, as you just said, Cliff can be a bit boneheaded. But it's just remembering, as you said, that we're all imperfect. And, and the, the important thing is Christ and bearing witness and testimony to Christ. Absolutely. Mark, I want to say thank you for allowing me to to st- spend some time with you talking. Uh, you know, I, I've always enjoyed our friendship that we've had uh, through new media and podcasting. And uh, I was very honored to receive some emails that, you know, when you were first dealing with this transition that you thought to email me. And just want to say thank you for your friendship. And uh, it's been uh, you've been a great encouragement to me and, and an inspiration to me. And, and uh, I thank you for your friendship. Well, likewise, Cliff, you know, um, you were one of the first guys that I contacted when Gail and I decided to leave. And, and as you said at the start of the podcast, it's because in you, you were active in, in the Christian faith. Um, and, and I really appreciate this opportunity today to speak about the journey because it's sometimes good to remember the steps that we've taken and, and how the Lord has been with us through really difficult times. So, you know, I'm glad to have this opportunity to speak to you and thanks for, for giving me it. Thank you very much. And so, folks out there, I just want to say one more time, uh, maybe you've grown up in the Christian church. Maybe you've inherited your family's faith. Maybe uh, you believe in Jesus Christ and you believe every single thing that you've ever been taught in Sunday school. Uh, You believe it all, uh, but you've really never come to any of those things, those realizations on your own. You've really never personally investigated what it means to actually live in a relationship with Jesus Christ and actually made that personal decision based upon not just what your parents have said, not just based upon what the church has taught you, taught you but uh, I encourage you to seek out God and, and a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ and come to that realization on your own. And and I just, I just think that that's a powerful message. And... Uh, very, very excited to be able to, to have this conversation today. We'll talk to you all later. God bless.